Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth as we conclude this powerful epistle in chapter 13. Paul tells us to do some difficult things. Examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. Test yourselves and aim for restoration. But he also points us, as we know in every page of Scripture, points us to the power of Christ in his death and resurrection, in his weakness. And he ends this book, as he does with everyone, with our Lord's blessings. And stick around as we dig deep in the gifts, because the gifts are ready for you. Thank you for tuning in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. We have with us today Pastor Brian Davies, who serves Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Pastor Davies, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you and to all of our listeners. You're in for a treat. It's a great chapter. 2 Corinthians 13, and like was said, the gifts of the Lord are for his people today. I'm into that. It is, uh, and it's been a powerful book to go through, and I wanted to get a little bit of reflection from you, Pastor Davies, is because when I look at 2 Corinthians, I always find it to be uh, not a, a lost epistle or something like that, but often when you look at the church and how we what we do and how we focus our attention on the epistles, we usually go to first, you know Galatians, Ephesians, um, and and we'll we'll do First Corinthians quite often. Um, but Second Corinthians is one of those that you'll kind of skip to eight and nine for Stewardship Sunday, and then you kind of forget it otherwise. And so it's been real blessing to go through the whole book uh, step by step, verse by verse. And uh, would you relate with that? Does that happen to you too with Second Corinthians? It's it's the middle child of the epistles, uh, often forgotten, overlooked, um, but they're like all good middle children, so much power, so much gifts. You know, I, you just, you guys are just coming out of my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Boom. Boom. The great text. So yeah, there's a lot here and yeah, sometimes unfortunately we might skip, skip past it, but thankfully you haven't been doing that and we're not going to do that today. Amen. All right. Well, pastor, I guess I, I, I've been saying this for the last few weeks. I'm new. You've been on KFU a number of times, but to you, it's a special treat to have you because you've accomplished something recently that our listeners, that you as our listeners would love to know. And I think it'll be a blessing to them and blessing to the church, but you just wrote a book, which obviously is easy to do. No, um, probably is quite intensive, but it is uh, uh, actually, Pastor Davies has said, this is a lot of fun to write a book. So you, you can tell what kind of things he's interested in, but you've written a book and it's called Connected to Christ, Overcoming Isolation Through Community. And this is published by Concordia Publishing House. And it came out last Tuesday or almost two weeks ago, as it's Monday right now. Um, can you give us an overview of this book? Uh, and and what, what do you, and it, it clearly affects us today because you speak about isolation, but tell us about this, a little bit about this book to give us a, a, a summary. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, first of all, shout out to the team at Concordia Publishing House. 
they are an outstanding team of people to work with, just like KFUO, seeking to get the message of Jesus Christ out to his people and out to the world. CPH published his book, and I'm honored to be a part of the story of sharing it. Um, We are living in a time where loneliness and isolation and divisiveness are the story of the day. Um, Everyone's experiencing it. Studies reveal it's at record highs, Um, especially our young people are especially prone to it. The beauty of life with God is that God invites you into community with him through Jesus Christ and then into community with one another through his church. And it's especially critical now because culture seems to be fighting about everything from what chicken sandwich you should eat to what hummus you should eat uh, to political parties and everything. God offers something so much better. So if you're looking out at culture and saying, this is not the way it's supposed to be, how does God make it better? This book uh, addresses and speaks directly to it. Well, and I think that relates well with Second uh, Corinthians as well, is that there is a, uh, a need for community, not only for those in the church, but, you know, Paul is he's in Macedonia, and, and he talks about the brothers, and then talks about the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. I mean, this is a, a wider community than just the local church, and definitely more than just me and Jesus. And so I would highly suggest everybody to check this out, cph.org, if you're looking for this book, and especially nowadays as we are being isolated isolated um, for various reasons, and we pray for the Lord's blessings on that. Um, well, today, you know, let's, just, let's, let's do this, uh, Pastor Davies. Uh, let's, let's get into this. As we begin to search the scriptures, can you begin us in prayer, please? Let's do that. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that you reign as Lord of all creation, and you are with your people. And thank you, God, that one way that you are with us is through your word. You speak to us through your word. Thank you, God, that we have the privilege of having the word in our own language and for those around the world seeking to make that happen in different parts of the world. Thank you, God, for the ministry of KFUO that gets this message out. Bless us as we dive into your word. Make our ears and hearts and souls receptive uh, to the message that you have for us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we conclude 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Pastor Davies, there's a lot that we have in the first 12 chapters, but any introductory or background or contextual things you want us to help us out as we look at chapter 13? Sure. I I, I just think as we remember Corinth, you know, there are parts of the letters where Paul says to the church in Corinth, Dude, your meetings are doing more harm than good, you know, and Mm -hmm. imagine if that were said to the church you serve, Brady, or the church I serve, (laughs) that they were caught in so much mischief that Jesus had to say, it would be better if you didn't meet. (laughs) Wow. Good point. uh, I think we should recognize that a lot of Paul's work in first and second Corinthians, you could call some cleanup work. Um, and I think it's important that, and it's, you know, of course, God's plan that this book is in his Bible because there's cleanup work for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is, as we rec- as we read these words, remember these are written to that audience, but it's written to us as well. You know, 
sometimes uh, we do create harm in the church. We don't care and love for one another. We don't love God as we ought to. So the warnings for Corinth, it's not about, oh my goodness, Corinth was such a mess. It's, you know, humanity is such a mess. Right. And that's why um, the more you read the Bible, especially as we as we age, um, not to say we're old, but we're definitely not young anymore, um, is you realize how, wow, that relates to today. And that's where chapter 13 comes in. And well, all of first and second Corinthians. And, and I think about this too, a lot is that, okay, he wrote more than two to this letter. He had a painful visit. He had all this going on. And so he knew these people. He stayed there for 18 months. He understood these folks. He, he loved these folks. And, but things were still a mess. And, and you know, he didn't, he didn't go to pastor's conference and brag about all the great things at Corinth. Even though he does say, he gives, you are my letter of recommendation, but at the same time, yeah. <laughs> they weren't that impressive either. So it really is relevant yeah. for our world today. Last thoughts before we begin? Nope, let's, let's dive in. All right, let's go verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, chapter 13, This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warn those who sin before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. I wanted to stop there because he, he speaks about this being his third visit, and he has, a, uh, he has a charge. He has a warning to everybody. What is he saying in these first two verses, Pastor? Um, he's coming, and... <laughs> be ready. Uh, like, and you said it, he did love Corinth. Um, that 18 month visit, that was a long visit. And yeah. you can almost hear it in his voice. This is my third visit to you guys. Like I'm looking forward to it, but we've got some work to do. Mm. Uh, and he says, and I think the words that really jump out to me are, I will not spare those who've sinned. Like we're going to directly address the challenges that are before you. Uh, it may mean sharing hard or harsh words for you, but to quote Paul elsewhere, he's going to speak the truth in love. And mm. I think it's a reminder to us that, you know, God sometimes speaks hard words to us. Um, I'm reading through Proverbs in the month of January, and so many Proverbs deal with receiving discipline and how important it is to receive the word of God as love. And so I think that's what he's doing in Corinth. Like, hey, I got some hard words for you, but it's because I love you. And God does that with all of his people at times. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I almost feel like when we're done here that I, like tonight, I should just read all of Second Corinthians of course, I probably want to watch a movie or something, but you feel like you just, you want to read the whole thing because now that we've dug through this, that is a thread that's through all of it. First Corinthians, I mean, there was a quote by Martin Luther. I kind of talked about how the first Corinthians was like putting um, sharp wine into the wounds, you know, almost making it worse. Mm. Second Corinthians was about putting oil into those wounds for healing purposes. Mm. And so there's a theme in there that he is he is speaking very lovingly, and he uses the word comfort a lot. He speaks about boasting in the Lord, pointing them away from themselves. But also there's still things that need to be taken care of, specifically here. Um, could be the First Corinthians 5, you know, the man who had done a sin that even the pagans wouldn't accept, you know, having 
relations with his stepmother. You hear of the the sinner that they need to forgive in Second Corinthians, uh, oh, is it three? I think it's chapter three. Um, and he speaks about that. So it reminds us too that in all of our churches, you never quite get to utopia. There's always more work to be done because there's always sin and there's always need for forgiveness. Thoughts you have there on the yeah. first two verses? You know, one of my one of my favorite Bible verses is when the Apostle Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I love that verse because it reminds me, and I think it's meant to remind all of us, none of us are finished products. We all have work that the Spirit of God is doing in us. And sometimes it is a, um, what did Luther say? It's what it, it's, it's not oil. What's the, what's first Corinthians? Uh, first Corinthians is sharp, sharp wine. Yeah. So it, it sometimes it's the sharp wine. Sometimes it's the oil, but it's all <laughs> meant for us and for our good and for our benefit. Can you, can you give us the passage you just quoted? I press on what, what passage is that for our listeners? And for oh, me too, boy. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Oh, you don't have it off the top of your head. Never mind. <laughs> no, I don't. But I know That's it. all right. We'll think about it during break. We'll think about it during break. Very yeah. good. Sounds great. So, so he is he is coming with uh, I guess you say guns a blazing. He's ready to go after him, but it's not a gun. It is simply out of love, like any parent would discipline their children. So let's continue here because he speaks about weakness and he points us once again to Christ. Now, this is another common thread. The, the foundation of his love for these people always comes back to Christ and him crucified, Christ who has done it all for them. So, and he does it again, and it's so great. I, I want to do this in my sermons all the time. Verse 3, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. But in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. I think we could spend all day on this, uh, Pastor Davies. But where do you want, what direction do you want to take with this? Three and four. Well, I think um, this, to me, echoes the ministry of Jesus Christ in the Gospels, where so many are asking for signs, you know, um, prove it to us. And Jesus doesn't take too kindly to that. Um, and here, you get the sense that Corinthians are demanding proof of Paul, that he actually is an authentic ambassador of Christ, that Christ is speaking through him. And there's a reason why God doesn't do that all the time. When people say, hey, we want proof that, you know, that you're real, there's a reason. And that's because that would make God a God of law, right? Not a God of grace and faith. But, you know, I proved myself to you. Now you must be obedient. So I think Paul yeah. wants to get his people out of that mindset of, hey, if you would just do this for me, then I really would believe. Um, that's not a God of grace. Um, and so he's trying to pull the Corinthians out of that. And I think sometimes you and I, all of us, we need to be pulled out of that. Like, we want God on our terms. Like, we want God to, to show up in this way. And oftentimes, God's ways are so much higher and better than our ways, to which we say, thanks be to God. God is a way better God than I am. Um, and, and that's good news. Um, and that's what he's saying to his people here. Hey, don't 
don't be seeking proof. And I'm coming to, to kind of pull you out of that. And really the proof is in the most surprising thing of all, humility. Mm. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Uh, even though equal to God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant. Isn't that fascinating? This is the world turned on its head, right? Strength, mm. not in slamming basketballs or grand slam home runs or, you know, 10 billion Twitter followers or rich mansions, but strength is found in laying down a life for all of humanity. And so that's really what Paul wants his people to see. You want to see strength? It's in being crucified. Holy cow! Beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, he speaks in in, uh, in chapter twelve. You know, I am content in persecutions and 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 all of those things. And it's it's fascinating when he starts writing. You know, saying that insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And and he speaks yeah. about that not in his strength clearly, but in the strength. Uh, in the power of Christ, and we had on with us uh, last uh, on last week with uh, uh, Pastor Winterstein, who spoke about whenever it talks about power, it's speaking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. So if your focus is on, well, we want proof from you, Paul. Is God really speaking through you? You know, then you can go into internal feelings, and God spoke to me, and questions, and all that. He points it right around and says, listen, let's get away from me. And if you do focus on me, you're going to see weakness. But let me show you the one who has become um, weak for you. And you had a great passage from Philippians chapter 2, which reminds us that um, when, when we are weak, our Lord, our Lord Jesus is strong because he became weak and conquered death, yes. the devil, and our, and our sin. So yes. powerful stuff. What else do you want to say? You know, it just, I'd like our listeners to consider a time where they felt weak, where they felt powerless, where they felt like there was nowhere to turn. The irony is when we have reached the end of ourselves, that's when we get the most of God. That's when we're the least reliant on ourselves because we have nothing to do about it. So then we're totally reliant on God. It's almost like in those moments, Jesus says, I'm so glad you're here <laughs> because now I can do my greatest work. And I, I guess I think it's worth, rather than just me saying that that's true, I think it's almost worth looking back. And Pastor, you can think about it in your own life. I can think about it in my own life. And I bet you our listeners too can as well. In moments of real weakness, when we were beyond, it was beyond our capacity to fix something or make something better. And we relied on God more than ever. That turned out to be our best moment. Mm. When we're mm. weak, we're actually strong. I heard a quote, and I got to get the exact numbers, but people can look it up, that um, the detainees in Vietnam during the Vietnam War at, uh, who were you know, in, 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 in camp there, Mm -hmm. I think two thirds to three quarters of them say it's the best thing that's ever happened to them in their lives because wow. out of that, they got a new sense for who they were and what life was about. 
Um, do you know a cancer survivor, pastor, who says, oh. you know, I'm cancer-free and getting cancer absolutely changed my life and for the better because, you know, the Lord showed up in so many ways and I'm a different person. I've heard those stories before. And so, you know, we want sometimes like the cupcake life, <laughs> but the reality is we're at our best when we're broken because God then does his best work in us. And that just oozes out of this text. It does. It it really does. And it, it automatically points us to Jesus. We used to have a, a mm. in the LCMS, we had a Maggie Carner who used to be the, uh, she is now with the Lord, but she was uh, the, the the director of life ministries for the LCMS. And she is the one who yeah. came down with brain cancer and went through the journey of the pain and suffering that went through there. And she told a story while she's going through this about her father had become paralyzed towards the end of his life. And so the kids would take turns to go and see their dad. Um, and, and they would spend like a day or two or whatever it is. And they would sit there. And one of the times she went to see her dad, I mean, it's just horrible. You know, you see your dad not able to do anything. And she's kind of emotional for me too, to think about it. But she told about how she was sitting there one time and her dad says, this is the greatest time of my life. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, this is crazy, you know? And he goes, we have never spent this amount of time together. And we've told stories to each other that most of us didn't even know so much love, so much grace. And she pointed it back to, this is what our Lord does for us as he continually comes to us. He's with us. He shows us our weakness and then automatically shows us his strength that he has in a resurrection and also in our lives. So I think that's another example of us to consider too, is wherever we are, God is working for the good of those who love him. And we, and we know that to be true because of Christ. Thoughts on that? Yeah, no, just like, and just to bring it home, put the cherry on top of the Sunday. Quick reminder, do you want to lean on yourself or on God? I mean, of course, I think all of our listeners like, I want to I want to lean on God. And so what's beautiful about reaching the end of ourselves and being weak is that we align ourselves more and more and lean into God. And he is the strong one, um, even though crucified, like Pastor Winterstein said, resurrected in power. So mm. we're connecting with Christ, we're aligning ourselves with power from on high. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. And that's something we got to remember, too, is that um, when we die and rise in Christ, <laughs> you know, when you're baptized and that daily walk where we die and rise with Christ, that we are not dying in our, you weren't, this is not us, this is God doing it to us and the power and strength of the Lord to be able to do what we are called to do in our daily vocations, like you've mentioned as a, as a, as a husband, as a father, uh, writing books, yeah. uh, pastor, and those things. Uh, the Lord is for us who can be against us. Last thoughts before right. we have about two minutes before we go to break. Nope. Good. Okay. Well, let's do this. I think I'm going to read verse 5. And then just get some very introductory thoughts, and then we'll continue on after the break. Because what we have in the beginning, these first four verses, are something that really builds up for the next few verses as a foundation. Okay, so you're weak. Okay, our Lord is strong. All of this, we live with him by the power of God. But the journey doesn't end there. You know, it's like, oh, okay, amen, we're done. Nope, we got things to do. Yeah. So in verse 5, we'll get to that and we'll probably get more to in the break.
verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or you do not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. See, here he comes. Full bore gospel, boom, full bore law. Give me some introductory thoughts into this, Pastor. Well, I really don't like the idea of tests. Uh, I thought we were going to school, right? Um, and I, you know, I got three homeschooling kids in my house. I got a wife who's teaching and giving tests. I got tests all over the place. Now the Bible is talking about giving me tests. Well, let's address this after the break. I think you're probably right. I think here's what we're going to do is uh, we are going to take our break now. Um, We need to take this break. So we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 13, concluding the book of 2 Corinthians with Pastor Brian Davies. And we will be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 13 with Pastor Brian Davies. And I want to take one moment to take a step back because we now know Pastor Davies to be the pastor of Grays Lake and, and pastor of Lord of Glory in Grays Lake, Illinois. He also is an author of a new book, Connected to Christ, Overcoming Isolation Through Community. But do you know that in the fall of 2003, he was the number one draft pick in the Intermural League at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. Number one draft pick. What do you have to say to that, Pastor Davies? <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> laughing, and I'm sure all of the listeners are laughing too, right? Those <laughs> were the days, weren't they? My goodness. They, they were the days. And by the way, I was on that team, and we were the football champions. So just uh, just a little side note. That really, it makes no difference, but we can celebrate that in our little moment here. So in case your wife is wondering if you're a success. I I, I asked Concordia Publishing House to put that in my bio. (laughs) For some reason, I didn't want to put that on. So that's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, what a fun time. Anyways, but our focus here is layers are focused on the scriptures. So I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to read. Um, five through seven, and just we'll rehash what we went through, but just to be able to bring it all together here, um, uh, verses five through seven of chapter 13. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you'll find out that we have not failed the test, 
But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem may seem to have failed. Okay, so let's get the test. You said, I don't like tests. We especially don't like tests if it has to do with the Lord looking at me. Talk about examine yourselves. Talk about um, what does this look like? Yeah, for sure. And, and eventually, this is, we're going to see this as this is for our benefit, right? This mm. is the text. So we're going to see it. First, I'm going to go back to that. Not that I've already obtained all this, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has took hold of me. That's Philippians 3, 12 through 14. We cited that. Uh, Got it. But we forgot where it was found. So for your listeners, Philippians 3. Okay, so let's talk about examining yourself. So I see examine yourselves, test yourselves. Um, kind of as the flip side of Paul telling the audience here, hey, you're trying to demand proof that Christ is speaking through me. This is not about testing me. This is about you testing you. Look inward. Mm-hmm. And demanding proof that Christ was speaking through him, uh, you know, as, as the Corinthians were doing. Paul says, hey, I want you to look inward. When our congregation that I presently served completed a pretty massive building project, we were worshiping in kind of a multi-purpose gym space and then built a dedicated House of God worship space. Mm. Um, It was an exciting moment for our church. You know, 20 years had worshiped in a library and a middle school and then you know, a gym. And so now to have like a dedicated worship space at the dedication service, we handed out to everybody uh, a a 5k style running bib. Do you know what I'm talking about, Brady? Oh yeah, absolutely. On your, it's like your running number. And um, the, the number we gave everybody was the year in which we built that. And the reason we did that was we wanted everyone to see, you know, the sanctuary being built as the start of a run and not a finish line or a destination. And we wanted everyone to feel like, hey, this is not an end. Okay, overdone. But no, this is only just beginning. Like, you're now getting your running assignment. Like, this is your bib. Let's go run the race marked out for us. In the same way, we've just had this wonderful text, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 1 through 4, talking all about God and his weakness, his power, and we find strength in him alone. It would be tempting, like you said before the break, okay, you're done now, it's over. But no, here it says, hey, examine yourselves. The journey is only just beginning, and life with God is a life of daily dying and rising again in baptism. Thanks be to God for that. So I think what he's really doing is saying, hey, life with God means testing yourself every day. And we can talk more about that. Yeah, and and I love that reference to Hebrews 12, um, you know, because it says, uh, uh, let us run with endurance the race set before us, and the old NIV Mainly because I learned during, you know, I read during my first sermon in the NIV in 2004, but looking to Jesus, and it says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. 
And that is perfect for your congregation is that, okay, this is done, but yet our, our eyes are still fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, and that's a reminder for us that this is an endurance that we are continuing this. And unfortunately, the tests continue not for the sake of saying um, you haven't done enough, but the test of, Lord, how can I refocus myself to you because you've already done everything for me? And that's a, it's yeah. a huge part of examination. I was thinking about this too a little bit, Pastor Davies, with confirmation. Confirmation's a weird year this year. I mean, it is just, yeah. it is just bizarre. Um, I always thought, you know, like for us, when they when they called me here ten and a half years ago, they were kind of like, "All right, Pastor, how do you how do you engage teenagers? You know, how do you get these kids interested?" And I'm like. I bring treats, I bring candy, you know, and then they all of a sudden they listen better, all this. And then this year, for half the year, we haven't been able to have treats. I mean, how frustrating is that? Oh, my God. Anyways, so confirmation, I was looking at something in the past with our, our right of confirmation, uh, the old Lutheran agenda. We're talking TLH days in the Missouri Synod, the old 1941 hymnal. And the agenda says this, that when children have attained such knowledge of the truths of the Christian religion contained in the catechism, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, they are to examine themselves not only in confirmation, but every time that they come before the Lord's Supper. I found that fascinating because we usually just look at it as kind of like, okay, the kids have gone through confirmation, they've examined themselves, but it's a continuation throughout their lives, our lives, of how, to examine myself, to look to the cross, and to say, Lord, keep me, and also a prayer, keep me in the faith. So that that's how I've been thinking about this examination, testing, repentance, all being together. Last thoughts on that? Well, verse 5 is what we're talking about right now. Yeah, so I, if we were to examine ourselves, uh, there would be some things in me that would give me an F. <laughs> so in some ways I have not measured up. I have not loved the Lord with my whole heart. I've loved not loved my neighbor as myself. I've not left all to follow him. So the beauty of the Lord inviting us to test ourselves is that if we examine ourselves, we shall find nothing in us but sin and death. So we failed. Enter Jesus. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Mm. the beauty of testing ourselves is not that, you know, can you get a C plus somehow? Um, Have you done more good than bad? But the testing of ourselves sees, once again, our need for Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. So testing ourselves is good. Why? Because it brings us back to salvation found in Jesus Christ. Did you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? So, you know, the testing brings us to God. I think this is it's a great, it's a great examination question here in 2 Corinthians 13, because it brings us to Jesus. It does. And if you find out that we have not failed the test, not failing the test is not that they've done everything correct, but that they that they have Jesus, as you said, living in them. Um on their side, if I can say it that way, I'm not sure. Um, but they 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 failed the test. If we look at it the way you're speaking of, absolutely. But if they failed the test, no, because on account of Christ, they have faith in this right. Lord who has done it all. Yeah, right. 
So let's continue on to says, go ahead. It says F, but then all of a sudden there's an A written over it because of Jesus, you know, but so then in, in essence, our failure turns into a success. The, the, did you fail the test though would be, do you reject Jesus Christ as Messiah? You know, that, okay, so there, there, were, like there were some there that were turning away from God, rejecting the work of God in their lives. And I think Paul's addressing them here too. He is, you know, I'm taking one step back because you look at what he's addressing throughout um, chapters 10 and really through chapter 12, is he speaking against the super apostles, uh, the, uh, the the false prophets, he even calls them, who definitely are, are asking the question, I don't know if Paul's passed the test. You know, when he goes and speaks, he doesn't charge. Clearly, he's not that good of a speaker. You know, he's not, he doesn't have any authority. Um, clearly, he's not... Uh, he hasn't. Uh, his life has not been successful because look at it. He's he's been beaten. He's done all of this. He's not strong enough. He's not a great enough speaker. Even Paul admits, "I'm not a great speaker." They are, but you know what? I have the knowledge. I have the lineage. I've gone through persecutions, and let me point you to Jesus, who has done even more than yeah. all those things, and you know that kind of thing. And so here, um, this definitely is something um, where he is. He is in a small way appointing or going after those false prophets. Like, listen, those guys, oh, I've not failed the test because why? Because we have faith and it's by grace mm. and it's all through Jesus. Last thoughts on those yeah. two verses? No, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's what we want our people to know. You know, it's what we want our kids to know. It's what we want our communities to know. This is who God is. I love it. Okay, so that's a great segue, and I'm just going to read these again because it, I think it works perfectly. Um, let's, let's do verse 7. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may have seemed to have failed, for we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. I want to speak a little bit here, Pastor, to what you said this is what we want for our congregations. This is what we want for our families. And I think there's a lot of grief that occurs, and Paul is, in a small way, addressing it. There's a lot of grief we have as parents, and for you, our listeners, your, your children, um, your grandchildren, your extended family, that many of them, in small, in small ways and in big ways, have denied the truth, either they're apathetic in faith or they're not following Christ, not involved in the church those kind of things. And and he has a pastoral way of, he says this, I pray to God that you may not do wrong. And this is something we all have for one another. And to me, to me, I was reading this and just thought about how there's some grief here as he, as he expresses in other places that, that, you know what, we will fail this test. And I want you to know the truth. We're not against the truth. We're only for the truth. And this is a grief that I think we're all feeling in our churches and in our lives of people not following Christ. Like you said, the only way to, 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 to get an F on this test is to reject Christ. And we all have people that we know are doing that. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? What are your experiences and what do you see Paul saying here? You know, um, I had a ministry opportunity once that was tough for me because um, it was somebody who wanted a baptism and we had conversations and I'd really not met them. And I found out through conversation that kind of the reason that, that they were bringing this child to be baptized was because uh, someone in the family's grandfather was a pastor. 
And it was like, they wanted to do it for him, you know? And it just made me think like, I pray that my kids, kids don't ever do something for faith in Christ because I'm a pastor or I was a pastor, you know, I want mm-hmm. to do it because it's real and they know it's true. You know, um, there is truth and we live in a culture right now that there's your truth and my truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, truth is whatever you want it to be. Just speak your truth. That's not how the Bible speaks about truth. Um, and, and really that has echoes here in this text. There is truth. Paul wants his people to know it in Corinth. He wants us to know it. And he wants us to live it. And that's what we're hoping to do as, as messengers of the gospel. No, you're, and you're exactly right. It's, it's a grief that I think we should spend a lot more time in prayer with a lot more time and patience with, and to speak the truth very plainly and securely, obviously in Christ. But I, but I'll say this too: that there's, there's, this is where God's word works. Is I've been here ten and a half years, and there are many times where kids go through confirmation, and you don't even realize if you think they've heard anything. And the reality is, if you were to ask them. You know, what's the Eighth Commandment on the street when you see them? They might not be able to recite it back to me. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's those nuggets of a time where you get, like, I've gotten a phone call from a former confirmand who's like, I think I need to come back to church, Pastor. And then you have a great conversation. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily walking through the doors, but right now they're watching, which is which is a win in my mind. And then you have other times where somebody, you know, calls you and says, I've been reading the Bible and I have a question about this. And yeah. although they might become elders in our churches in a few weeks, <laughs> that's not what it's been about. It's been about yeah. pointing them to truth and to show that um, we have failed the test, but our Lord Jesus has had the victory. And he gives us, I don't want to say an A is the right language here, but he gives us salvation and forgiveness in life. Yeah. This is where patience yeah. is always needed. Last thoughts before we move on. Well, two quick things. Number one, all of my former compromands can recite the Eighth Commandment. <laughs> Did you put that in your book or what? <laughs> that was, of course, a joke. But, you know, I think I, I, I told, and I think I, I, I hear what you're saying too, because I sense that people mourning their children or grandchildren apart from faith, and it is hard. So let's do what the text says which is recognize our weakness and go to Jesus with it. And that's what you Mm. said. Like, we got to pray about this. So as much as, you know, my personality sees that problem and says, okay, what can I do to fix it? If we want to honor this text, it would be, Lord, I failed. I'm weak. We need you how do you want to show up in this and what role do you want me to play? Um, boy, wouldn't yeah. that be great? Well, you know, uh, hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's continue on here. Verses 9 and 10, we have some great things here to close out our time in, in, the, in the epistle of Second Corinthians. 9 and 10. For we are glad when we are weak, 
and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things, while I am away from you, that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Let's start with this. We're glad when you are weak, when we are weak, and you are strong. What do you think he's saying there? Or for your restoration is what we pray for. What is he what is he capturing here? Well, first of all, this is uh, very pastoral. Mm. You really get the sense how much he loves his people. Um, so I write these things so that, hey, can we clean this up now so that when I get there, we don't have to deal with this? Wouldn't that be nice? Um, he's saying we're glad whenever we're weak, but you are strong. Like if you can get yourself back to a place of recognizing by the Holy Spirit's power that in your weakness, you are strong. That's his pastoral missionary heart for these people in Corinth and, and really for us too. I mean, we shouldn't think that this is just written for these saints in Corinth, that this is a, there's a reason this is in the Bible for us today. Um, Mm. So that, Hey, let's open our eyes to the realities of spiritual warfare and the challenges of life right now and recognize how much today we're in need of daily repentance and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Well, it's interesting too, and you're exactly right. I mean, this is for today. This is not, you know, it relates to today as well. I relate a little bit to uh, as a as a as a parent. When I was on vicarage, I, I was sitting with my supervisor, and we we're watching a tennis match of his daughter. And you know, I was an athlete, and and I enjoyed sports. And you know, you had that the high of of a win, and you had the low of a defeat. And I remember I was watching him watch his daughter. And she won, and he's like, "Oh, he's so excited." Of course, he would be, as we all would be. And I remember I asked him. I said, "You know, you know, Pastor, what, what's it like watching your kids succeed?" And because clearly he's not going to play football anymore. He's not out there. You know, at least I hope he is. And he was forty something, and it's like you and I. Well, we're not Tom Brady. You know, we're not, those days are done. Um, but uh, but he and, he and he's like, he said, Brady, you know. I've had some successes in athletics, but nothing compares to when my kids succeed. He said, the feeling of our own success is nothing like our kids' success. Now, I'm not trying to make a one-to-one. I'm not trying to make this into a a biblical uh, sports text or something like that. But he says, we're glad when we're weak and you are strong, showing that if my time to be able, you know, in weakness, I'm able to see you strong, I'm content. I'm content with that. This is not about my glory, as you said so well about Paul. This is not about Timothy's glory. This is not about T- Titus's glory. It's not about the brothers he sends with the, to get the collection's glory. Um, it is about the glory of Jesus. And so if I'm in jail, as Paul goes, or if I am in Macedonia with the poor folks, and, and you are being strengthened in faith, I am content. And if anything, maybe even a bigger glory than my own successes in ministry. Thoughts on that? Yes. Oh, I love it. And yeah. um, I can identify with your vicar supervisor. Uh, you know, I thought I would never be that dad watching my kids compete, but I am officially that dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, hard, but you're, you're right. Like, it, it's exponentially more so. And th- that's where the heart of the pastor, missionary, Paul, you know, comes out here. This is his hope for his people and God's hope for us. 
and he highlights in all the epistles. And so for us, like we're going to get down with 2 Corinthians here. Tomorrow we go to Galatians. And we go to Galatians, it's it's a similar dynamic, but right away he gets, I am astonished. And he goes down the Judaizers and he goes all this and he goes after him. Why are you going after another gospel? Um, but he doesn't end there. You know, he continues to do this pastoral thing. You see it in Ephesians, you see it in the other epistles that he is going to point out almost like a father speaking to his children, a father who lovingly um, cares for his children and points all these things out. And he writes this yep. to prepare them for when he arrives. Cause he's already said he's coming. He's coming with a uh, fire and brimstone if they're not careful. But what is he saying in verse 10? When he says, I've come that you may not be severe to use the authority that God has given me. What is he telling us in verse 10? Well, I think, um, you know, repent, um, or I will, <laughs> I will, you know, clean house and yeah. kind of like, um, you know, don't make me call your father who's at work type thing. Like <laughs> I will bring it if, unless you repent, um, you have time before my visit, take advantage of it. Let's not be in this position when I get there. You know, that's authority is really uh, an authority to, as a pastor, to, speak the word of God, even when it's not a popular thing to say or do could mean excommunication. It could mean uh, public rebuke. You know, that's the power and authority given to Paul to lead and shepherd those people. He's kind of like, I, I, I'd like to not have to do that. And that's something for us all to remember when we're looking at scripture and uh, addressing and loving and caring for people, whether as pastors, or if you're not a pastor, for you, our listeners who are, are Christians who take the scripture serious, how do we lovingly care for one another? And as he says, mm-hmm. for the building up and not for tearing down. And yeah. I think this is important too for us as 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 uh, receivers of the criticism, because clearly <laughs> Pastor Davies and I are not above uh, receiving criticism or not above any of those kind of things is how do we um, take the quote criticisms or the concerns people have and pray to the Lord for patience to be able to hear that and also to live out that Christian life of acceptance of well the authority people have on the word of God for us to be able to build each other up in the kingdom of Christ last thoughts on those things before we get to the last few verses pastor no, I think you said it really great, but I just really want to laser focus in on for the building, for for your building up, you know, for your benefit. And that's a theme that's echoed in the scriptures, that this is all for the glory of God and for our own spiritual well-being. And he says that a few times, uh, specifically in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, the building up of the, the, the body, um, you know, obviously Ephesians 4, we're talking uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the body of Christ. All of this is for the sake of the building up of God's kingdom. Let's do this. We have about five minutes left, your pastor. Let's get to the last final greetings, and then you can have the honor of wrapping the whole book up. How about that? Here we go. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> 11 through 14. Finally, brothers, rejoice! Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, 
and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'm always tempted after that just to say the word, Amen, right at the end. So (laughs) he gives this final greeting that is any question about verse 10 or before that about, you better watch out when I'm coming. Here he wraps it up, kind of like you're saying with the the cherry on top, really almost like uh, bringing the bow together on the gifts that our Lord has given. And he tells us a lot of wonderful things. So which ones do you want to focus on here in these last few verses? Um, well, I, I mean, it starts really with the aim for restoration. And I think mm-hmm. he's speaking both of their life with God, like get yourselves right with God. But then he also kind of, I think for the first time in this chapter, at least, deals with not only where they're at with God, but how they're living horizontally with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, this is this is a call to unity in the faith. Um, be of one mind, be united. Uh, we live in a world that is fractured, isolated, divisive, tribal is how some have called it. Like, are you in this camp or that camp? Uh, there's no room for that in the body of Christ. Absolutely none. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we should strive for unity. That means we sit and we listen and we ask questions, just like Jesus does in Luke chapter 2 when he's a 12-year-old boy in the temple. We're in a culture that loves yelling and telling. opinions <laughs> with exclamation points. Um, here, the Apostle Paul says, not so with you. Mm. So mm. before you say something about somebody else, would you say it if they were in the room with you? Amen. Before you type something at somebody, you know, would you say it to them if they were in the room with you? Uh, Unity in the body of Christ is so important, and we are not experiencing it right now. And it pains the Lord Jesus Christ because that's not his vision for his church, you know in the midst Mm -hmm. of a world that is so divided and tribal, it's a great time to be the church because following the principles the Lord Jesus Christ has laid out for us, we can be the most radically hospitable, kind, united. We make a space and a place for everyone, culture on planet Earth. It ought to be the Christian church because Jesus made a place and a space for us so we can make a place in the space for everyone. And that's really, I think, the heart of it here. He says, hey, this is what I want for you. I want you to live together in this way, to be united and to be at peace. And in that moment, you'll know God's peace to its fullness. As he says, agree with one another, live in peace, and comfort one another. These are main themes throughout this book. How can it be restored? Because Christ has restored us with God the Father. How can we comfort one another? It is God who says, comfort, comfort my people. How can we be united with one another? Because Christ has died for all, all nations, all tribes, under the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a little bit of a concern in verse 12. How will we greet each other with a holy kiss during COVID? What do you think, Pastor? 
<laughs> good question. That's um, a good question. Lovingly, honorably, I, I think God's people can figure that out. <laughs> well, as we as we close this out, as a benediction that we often will say in the church, that he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I think that's a great place to end. As we come to the end of our time together, Pastor Brian Davies of Lord of Glory, Grays Lake, Illinois, helping us today with the last verses of Second Corinthians, uh, the last chapter, excuse me, of Second Corinthians, chapter thirteen. Not only is he a pastor, he is also an author of the book Connected to Christ: Overcoming Isolation Through Community, and also the number one draft pick of the Intramurals of two thousand and three. Pastor Davies, thank you for being our guest. Uh, it's been awesome. What a great text. Wonderful to walk through it with you. God bless all our listeners. And God bless you. Saints of our Lord, rejoice in the Lord. Build each other up, especially in times of isolation. And the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.